that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means and Andrew Gillis. We're bringing you something new during the season. As you can already tell, I didn't say Nathan's name. Nathan will not be on this pod. Last year, Doug used this pod, the Tuesday pod, as a rants pod. We're not going to do that this year. We're going to actually have an in-season recruiting pod. And this is just going to continue whether we're in-season or out-of-season. Just so you know, we want to get more in rhythm with the recruiting stuff and not make it so on and off whether we're in season or out of season. So no Nathan today. It'll just be myself and Andrew Gillis talking recruiting. Andrew, you've been brought into the recruiting world, and you, well, I'm not going to say you are you know, diving headfirst into it because we're also going to try to cover a team that might try to win a national championship here. But you know, you're diving in a little bit here. Oh, you're you're coming at a time where Ohio State's got the number two class in the country, 22 commits right behind Georgia nationally. You've been doing this for a little bit. Just as an outside person coming into it, what has been your view of Ohio State's recruiting class to this point? And then how has that maybe changed as you've gotten to know the beat a little bit, gotten to know how the fan base reacts to certain things? I think it's been about what I expected, you know, frankly, I think. Um, but I do think that there have been some, I guess, positive developments, you could call it, for Ohio State over the last couple of weeks um, and, and months. I guess now it's August, the end of August, my God. Um, you know, but one of the things that I knew coming in was, all right, if Ohio State wants a top receiver in the country, they can get him. It, that's just the way that this works. That's just the way that this, this, that this, this outfit operates with Brian Hartline with Ryan Day, with whatever quarterback they have, if you want a top receiver, you're going to get him. You're going to you're going to go out there and you're going to get that kid. And uh, yeah, you. I mean, you look at the recruiting class that they have now at receiver. Um, I I, I watched Jeremiah Smith a little bit over the weekend. Uh, I was moving from Cincinnati to Columbus, so I only caught a little bit of it. Uh, he didn't actually have a, like a wow stat line, but my God. Um, like I, so I knew that that kid, you know, that is the kid that Ohio, that goes to Ohio state. Right. Um, but one of the things that I had heard a lot about was, well, they just don't get the high level defensive recruits. They just don't get that match on defense. And that is the reason why, you know, they've won one national championship since 2014. That was kind of the, the preconceived notion that I had coming in. I think it's changed a little bit. Uh, I think it was like my first pod that we did. They lost out to Kingston Villiamuasa, um, you know, the linebacker from from John Bosco, California, and that and that that was uh, one of the things where I kind of first got inundated with it. Um, you know, I heard a lot of Buckeye fans. I can't believe this. This is another sign that they can't get elite high level talent. Um, but over the last couple of weeks um, and months, frankly. Uh, you have Justin Scott at the beginning of July. You have Aaron Scott at the end of July. You get no relation. Edric Houston. Yeah, no relation. Thank you. Uh, you get Edric Houston uh, about a week ago. A uh, week ago, um, and then like Bryce, I think they. Um, if, if if memory serves, Bryce West committed right before I got this job, like in late June or something like that. So the defensive recruiting has actually been kind of better than I thought it. The notions are kind of what I thought they would be, but the um, 
you know, I, I kind of have heard that from Buckeye fans. I've read it from our tech subscribers. I've read it from a lot of people that they want the defensive recruiting to take it up a level. Um, but frankly, the, since I've been here, the defensive recruiting actually hasn't been that bad. It's been pretty good. So it's, uh, I think it's probably been more optimistic of Ohio State than probably what I thought it was coming in. Give it time. It'll burn inside your soul. (laughs) Things are not going as well as maybe they should be going. So we're heading into the season here. And the way Ohio State kind of operates, it's not that they stop recruiting. It's just it's not the main focal point anymore. Because, you know, there's these things they do on Saturdays for two and a half hours that become the main focal point. Two and a half. When you get to fall. You think the the clock rules are that crazy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, did you watch the USC game? That I, I first of all, I hate to do nobody. Pop nobody Maybe watched the USC game. It was on a network that eight people in this country have. Yeah, Fubo or Fubo, <laughs> yeah. whatever what you say. <laughs> whatever Fubo. it was, I watched it. I had a free trial for a day, and then I canceled it right after the game. Literally, I watched it too, when the clock hit zero, I exited you were done. Out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not I watched it too. I did not have a stream. I'll leave it at that. I did not have Fubo TV. I'll leave it I at mean, that. I mean, listen, if you want to criminalize yourself on this pod, you go ahead and I do that. I, I, hey, I, did no such thing. I did no such thing. That's fine. I just, I just said I watched it. Well, that's fair. That's a very fair <laughs> statement. You just I said just you said watched it. You didn't it. say how. We're gonna get, what we want to get into on this pod is as we head into the season, mostly full class. I mean, 22 commits. That's You're, you're creeping on full here. You're yeah. talking about a couple other spots where – you know, you're trying to fill out a class here, and a lot of that's probably going to be around the, the trenches, the offensive and defensive line. So what we're going to do here is Andrew and I both made a list of the most important targets left on the board for Ohio State, where things stand. We're recording this on Monday, August 28th, which is my dad's birthday. So happy, belated, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Well, you're going to hear this. Yeah, you're going to hear this on Tuesday, but happy birthday, Dad. Happy, happy birthday to birthday, you. Happy birthday, Stephen's dad. Yeah, but we're both going to run through our list. Now, If it it probably will have some, you know, some crossover here, but that's because it's recruiting and that's how this kind of works here. So, Andrew, as the guy who is now our recruiting guy and the new guy here, I'm going to allow you to go first. Who is the number one guy on your list as the most important target for Ohio State left on the board? Yeah, I think this one was fairly easy, um, you know, you're going to notice a theme. I think this is a theme with Ohio State in general, but it fortunately, it lines up to my own personal beliefs. Uh, you got to build along the trenches, and that is why I think the uh, the number one guy that every Buckeye fan should be really, really high on and really, 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 really happy to get would be the offensive tackle out of modern day, Brandon Baker. Um, you talk about the offensive linemen that are in Ohio State's class right now right you know and we're I don't want to do I don't want to overlap too too much with this because hint there is another offensive lineman on my list um you know but you look at the offensive linemen on this list and you've got you got some big boys you got the the Armstrong twins uh out of uh St. Edward up in uh up in Lakewood so you get those two guys uh Mark Nave you get an interior lineman um they're they're all all three of those guys are three stars, um, and then you have Ian Moore, the four star, who I will be going out to see on Friday, uh, just outside of Indianapolis. So there's four. You don't really have a blue chip, high top 100 level player on this class and on the offensive line, and that's why I think Baker's so key because like when we when we were talking about 
camp this year, right? When we were talking about everything that was going on at fall practice, what did we talk about on the offensive line? The interior is probably set, but I don't know about offensive tackle. And we didn't really know what they were going to do. And frankly, I don't know if they knew what they were going to do. Uh, I think that it solidified itself, as most things tend to do, over over the next couple of weeks of camp. But uh, adding an elite, high-level offensive tackle to this class, especially one that has done so well at the skill positions, you're going to have to win along the trenches at some point. And, I mean, this is – you guys talk about this all the time. When Ohio State plays, you know, Indiana or Youngstown State, you don't look at it as, okay, they, what did they do against Indiana? It's, can they beat Michigan in a couple of weeks? Can they beat Penn State in a couple of weeks? And if you're going to look at Ohio State through that lens, you're going to have to recruit the offensive line at a level that is going to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Michigans of the world that recruit defensive linemen really well. So that is why Brandon Baker is the number one guy on my list. So Brandon Baker, the number 21 player, in the, the top offensive tackle in the country, five-star recruit out of modern day. Ohio State hasn't had a five-star tackle committed here since Paris Johnson, who impressive that you got him, but he also good. he grew up. He was decent. He was pretty good, but also he's <laughs> from Cincinnati. That's a yeah. should get, right? So Nicholas Petit Freire is the last time they went out and won a battle. But even with that situation, there was the sense of, you know, I mean, he went to the same high school as Greg Schiano's kid at the time. And so you kind of had it in there. Brandon Baker would be a huge get. I- I'm with you. He's at the top spot in my list as well because of all that, because of the lack of you know high-end offensive tackle recruiting. Some of that was br- the end of the Greg Shijawa era, and now you know getting into year two of Justin Fry. Can he get a guy that maybe he couldn't have gotten a year ago? But there's also the extra step. Well, Ohio State just doesn't have success at modern day, believe it or not. It's They, they just don't. They've gotten close before. There was a five-star cornerback in the 21 class by the name of Damani Jackson who had all the Ohio State momentum in the world at one point, and then he ended up at USC. This is a battle with Brandon Baker where it's between Georgia, Texas, Nebraska. USC is in the mix. Oregon is in the mix as well. So we're going to learn a lot about Justin Fry with this recruiting battle that we just weren't going to learn last cycle when you bring in Miles Walker and you know, Luke Montgomery and Austin Searveld and Joshua Padilla. Miles Walker's a long-term project. Uh, uh, Padilla, Searveld, and Luke Montgomery. Montgomery has obviously flashed early, but those are in-state guys. You should get those guys. You brought up the Armstrong twins. You brought, Mark Nave also is another in-state guy for this class. You should get those guys. Those are not – they're good, but they're also not top 50 recruits from around the country. So those are guys you should get. Brandon Baker is a go out and win a battle. You probably shouldn't win that one, even with Ian Moore. I think Ian Moore is going to play left tackle at Ohio State. I know for whatever reason, 247 Sports still has him listed as an interior offensive lineman. He plays left tackle at his high school, New Palestine in Indiana, and he's going to play tackle when he gets here. I think he's one of the better tackles in the country. But once again, that's Big Ten footprint. To go get a guy like Brandon Baker, who's on the other side of the country, where you're battling everybody under the sun to get that guy, that's what would be a big win for Justin Fry if they pull it up. So he's number one on my list as well. This guy's not number two on my list, but in the name of talking about offensive linemen, we might as well stay in this this conversation because the school that you're battling is also on your schedule to play them this year in Notre Dame. And that's Gary Lambert out of – Massachusetts number 48 player the number two offensive tackle in the country quieter kid he doesn't talk as much so you know we're 
there's not a lot coming out of that camp, but Notre Dame's got some momentum there. Andrew, where was Gerby on your list, and you know, how big of a deal is he for Ohio State if they can pull that off? Well, he was second on my list, too, because, mm. I, you know, I thought about putting him lower because it, everything that I've read and everything that I've heard about that situation is that he is a Notre Dame lean. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on who you ask, it it, it kind of looks like it's trending to Notre Dame, and like on paper, that makes sense. Uh, you know, you're talking about a kid who goes to a Catholic school in Massachusetts, like the like that is a Notre Dame kid. You know, a kid who's not you know who loves the small school atmosphere. Like it, for those of you who don't know, his schools that he's considering are Notre Dame, Ohio State, Boston College, and Harvard. Like it is in, and I've read a story about him uh, just probably a couple of weeks ago. That Harvard interest is not nothing like that. Harvard interest is genuine. Like he is, he was, he is, it wasn't is genuinely interested in Harvard. Like this is a different type of kid. Um, you know, one who is very, very serious academically and, you know, that would play well for Harvard for Notre Dame. And I think I, I had him second on the list. Not because I think mostly because he plays offensive tackle, and if you don't get Baker, you need. I think you need another offensive tackle in this class. I am of the belief that, especially the way that this this program recruits quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs, like if you if you have to take an extra offensive lineman, so be it. Um, I you know I I am a big offensive lineman guy as listeners of this podcast will come to know over the next couple of months. Um, I talk about the offensive line a lot. I love the offensive line. I, you need as much talent up there as possible because we talked about the offensive tackles during fall camp and yeah, Luke Montgomery looked good and you know, that's great. And congrats to him. And it's going to be, you know, if he can play, that's great. You don't want to have to rely on a left tackle that is a true freshman to play because you want those rare kids. If they are coming like a Brandon Baker would be one of those rare kids. Um, so you, you need offensive tackle help. But the, the other thing that I just, I can't get out of my head when, when we're, you mentioned it, they're on the schedule. I don't know if it's that they're on their schedule. It would be that this is, this would be the second notable recruiting battle that, Ohio State would have lost to Notre Dame in the last oh god when did Kingston a month or so you know I mean you're talking about a kid who 247 composites a top 50 player you lose I think I think Kingston's a top 50 player I would or a top 100 player I would have to look that up he's like but I think he was like 101 101 something like that yeah so you yeah. lose him to Notre Dame you lose Gerby Lambert to Notre Dame that doesn't mean that your recruiting classes are now worse than Notre Dame that doesn't mean that your recruiting classes, you know, or that you're in danger of kind of seeding ground to Notre Dame. But that is, I think, kind of the worry with a functional Notre Dame recruiting operation is that they can come in and rattle a few cages. They can get a Brennan Vernon. They can get, a, you know, uh, a Kingston Villiamuasa. They can get a Gerby Lambert. Like, those are the kinds of battles that you would want and think Ohio State should win the majority of. And frankly, there I mean, there are kids that just like Jeremiah Smith was not considering Notre Dame. So like th- that needs to be said. But when it comes down to this, when it comes down to the come down with with Gerby Lambert and Kingston Villiamuasa, like you've you can't 
kind of split that. You're Ohio State. You should be winning a majority of those battles. So I think that that's why I had him second, not just because of kind of the position that he plays and the talent that this kid has, but who he is and, and kind of what a commitment to Notre Dame would represent. I am under, I don't know if they're going to get both. And so I think for me, I have come to a place where you got to get at least one. Right. I think that's probably in. So I went with the one that's more likely as the yep. higher on my list one. And that's Brandon Baker. While Kirby Lambert was on my list, but he wasn't, he was like number four on my list because I don't think you get, I don't think you need both, especially since Ian Moore is going to be a tackle for you. And I think he's going to be a pretty good tackle for you, but you need at least one. You need to start replenishing that tackle position yep. with some dudes there because Luke Montgomery is great. It would be nice if you had two Luke Montgomery's, right? Or even three Luke Montgomery's and then you had yourself some options there. We're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to come out with the rest of our list, which I'm going to to tell you now, I'm going to assume that for both of us, it's going to be trenches heavy, both offensive and defensive lines, just given how the way the rest of this class is planned out so forth. So more on that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Get the text, 614-350-3315. We are, listen, <laughs> two-week free trial. The season's here. Ohio State's going to play Indiana on Saturday. If you signed up right now, you get two games. You get two games. You get the Indiana game, and then you get the season opener. Plus, Andrew's going to be talking to some of these recruits. So you're going to get that stuff, too. Plus, I don't know, do surveys. A lot of other fun stuff. Sign up for the text, man. It's a great time over here. Two-week free tile, and it's so easy to quit. I gotta say stop. You don't have to. You can definitely stay, you know, signed up for the text. But it's easy to sign up, and it's easy to quit. If you don't like it, it's up two weeks. Two-week free tile, 614-350-3315. Andrew, who was next on your list? Who were, who was the number three most important target still left on the board for Ohio State in your mind? Uh, well, I mentioned, you know, the trenches I think are really important, and um... – I think, uh, yeah, (laughs) I think I got to stick with that. Um, So if you're listening to this, uh, I hope you're listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, It would mean a lot. Uh, But you'd better listen to this before September 1st uh, because I have Dominic McKinley uh, on the list. I think he is a really interesting player for Ohio State because he would. So he's going to commit on September 1st and he's a kid from Louisiana and, you know, you're kind of competing against those schools down in that area, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU. So you've got to convince him to come north. And I think that one of the things that I did when I compiled this list was I looked at players. I, I think I thought you made a great point with the Brandon Baker point, um, you know, where you talked about going into California and getting a kid out of modern day. Like, I think going down south and getting kids means a lot. You know, that's why I think that Edric Houston, you know, getting him was a big deal because you go into Georgia and you get him right after his teammate commits to Florida State. So, you know, I think that going down south and getting those kids, so it kind of would signify a lot. But I mentioned this off the top. I, you know, you talk about recruiting at Ohio State and, and the number one thing that I had heard and, and you know, you kind of look at some of the recruiting classes in the last years and, and most of this stacks up was that they don't recruit high-end defensive players well. And frankly, I know they recruit receiver well, and it is one of the reasons why they've been so good for so long. But after quarterback, if you had to recruit any position on the field at a national championship level, I'm taking defensive line. So 
like, you know, if, if you can guarantee me that the quarterback is a national championship winning quarterback and the defensive line is a national championship winning defensive line, I'm taking my chances with that and I'm running with it and I'm totally cool with it. Like if, if I had two to pick from, I'm taking quarterback and defensive line and you would pair him. I mean, he's six foot five, two ninety. That's, you know, that screams interior player. You know, you've got Justin Scott already on board. Justin Scott, five-star defensive lineman, interior player from Chicago. You've got Edric Houston, a 6'3", 265, five-star from Georgia. He's an edge player. Now you add McKinley, or hypothetically would add McKinley. One of the, he's like 38th in the country, a 247 composite. That is a borderline five-star player. That is a real, that is a guy who is knocking on the door of getting that fifth star from 247. And now all of a sudden you've got not just a good defensive line, you've got like weapons on the defensive line. You have got a defensive line that has one of the highest ceilings in college football, if not the highest ceiling in college football. I don't have to check Georgia's class. Uh, but they've they would have just absolute just dogs on that defensive line. And I think that adding another player to that defensive line, especially when you talk about the possibility of the guys that might leave this year, you know, yeah, you would have Kenyatta Jackson. And yeah, you know, I, I remember I mentioned Jason Moore. I really liked him when I watched him. You got a couple young players that are really going to flash moving forward. But this would be different. This would be a notable change for Ohio State of getting not just one or two elite high-level defensive linemen. You are getting three sign me up for that that would be really really impressive from ohio state's defensive uh recruiting staff dominic mckinley was number two on my list number 38 player the number seven defensive lineman in the country I'll, i have two points for why he's so important in 2021 that class had two five stars in it and their names were jack sawyer and jt tweema and then they had another top 60 recruit and my call my call looked pretty good last year when he was healthy uh, JT Tuimaloa had one of the best games in college football history. Jack Sawyer has flashed. If all three of those guys hit this year, they're gone. Yeah, they're gone for sure. That's the three are done. Which is what you want, though. You want high end, talented, top one hundred, top fifty five star recruits. You want them to be three and done because that means you're producing high end talent. Yeah, you have that's to healthy. replace. Yeah, that. that's healthy. That's healthy. But you also have to replace it, which is why. It was such a big deal. It's just so interesting how this defensive line recruiting, the, the narrative around it has gone. Because coming into the summer, you thought one thing, and then Justin Scott just like threw a rock in all of that and decided to commit to Ohio State, and nobody thought that was going to happen. And so now it's like, whoa, anything is possible. They're going to get Edrocution. They're going to get Dylan Stewart. They're going to get my uh, Marquise Lightfoot. They're going to get all these guys. And then Marquise Lightfoot came off the board. And then Dylan Stewart came off the board. Uh, Jaden Jackson, I believe, committed to Oklahoma, I believe. All the, the everything you thought was possible came off the board. And so now you're wondering, oh, well, how's Larry Johnson going to follow this up? Well, he gets education. He, he, you know, he finalizes off that momentum, which had been trending towards Ohio State since the spring. And now over the last couple of weeks, it's felt like Dominic McKinley's kind of been in the same boat. Now, Texas is there. They're, they're making a push as well. Yeah. But it's, it, Sounds like Ohio State might win this one, right? That's a big deal because, like I just said, you might lose three high-end talented guys after this year if things go the way that they hope they go for those three guys. 
which means you got to replace it with high-end talent. It can't just be the Kenyatta Jackson show a year from now. You need other guys to go along with it. So there's the roster-building part of this. McKinley's from Louisiana. Andrew, do you know the last time Ohio State landed a player from Louisiana? I have no con- I have no file on that. Technically, it was Jair Brown, who's now a second-year cornerback, but he was from Cincinnati and moved down to Louisiana when he was a kid. And mm-hmm. then, like, like a month and a half after he committed to Ohio State, he moved back to Cincinnati. So that doesn't count. The last legitimate born and raised, well, I don't know if he was born there or not, but legitimate Louisiana kid who's going to graduate from a Louisiana high school that came up to Ohio State was 1998. And it was a running back by the name of Jonathan Wells. He was, decent, he was a decent player, but that's what we're talking about. We just got done talking about how Ohio State hasn't really had an end with modern day. They've had an end in California, C.J. Stroud, Wyatt Davis, Chris Olave. You know, they've had Court Williams. They've had ends there. But in Louisiana, and it's because LSU is right down the court, the street for most of these kids. Yeah. So, you know, SEC ball, LSU is not that far removed from a national title, even though Ed Orgeron is gone. It's just hard to pull these kids out of LSU. Louisiana is also a state like Ohio, I think, it just kind of spiritually, where there's one team in town, and it's LSU, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. it, like in Ohio State, like if you grow up in Cleveland, Toledo, Athens, Cincinnati, Dayton, Defiance, uh, Canton, wherever. Uh, you did go to OU. You I just did threw go. out Defiance. I lived in Defiance. Uh, for 10 months. I lived in Defiance for 10 months. Uh, I worked in Bryan, Ohio, and I lived in Defiance. Um, but like, if you're from those areas, you're an Ohio State fan. Like that, I mean, like I remember I lived in, it was in Bryan, Ohio was the most northern, northwestern most county in Ohio, Williams County. And that you start to get Michigan and Notre Dame and Michigan State. Everything else is Ohio State. And, and Louisiana is mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. So like going into those kind of states, you know, I, there's like, I think Penn State, uh, Pennsylvania is a little bit like that with Penn State. Um, you know, there are states like that, but it's tough to do that. Not only do you have to convince a kid, hey, come leave the, come leave Louisiana, where the food is unbelievable, by the way. Come leave Louisiana and leave the warmth and leave the school that you probably wanted to play at for a very long time or one of the schools you wanted to play at for a very long time and leave very far away from that. That's a tough, that's a tough sell. Dominic McKinley took his official visit to Ohio State on June 2nd, and maybe there was a chance there, but it wasn't high. But it's Larry Johnson has seemed to have done his job and done his due diligence coming off of that, at least during that official visit, which sets the t- which has set the tone for we're now, as you said, September 1st, which is on Friday. You're listening to this on Tuesday. So on Friday, he'll be announcing that decision. I don't think anybody would be shocked if Ohio State wins, even if Texas has also made a push there. So I've got one more defensive lineman that I think is on this list. He's not. There's a gap now. I think there was a clear yeah. top three for me, and it was, Gerby, was for me too. Brandon Baker, Dominic McKinley, and Gerby Lambert. And I think four and five, you could get kind of freestyle with it, depending on where things are. So I just wanted to talk about this kid because of that Jack position that exists, and they're recruiting for it now. I'm going to say his name. Joshua Mickens is already on the roster as a guy who was recruited to play that position. I think Booker Pickett Jr. 
probably fits it as well. The number 190 player, number 14 edge rusher, but he's six foot three, 205 pounds. You know, he's not the traditional four down lineman edge rusher that you're used to seeing, right? He probably fits that Jack position. And when you're looking for signs that Ohio State is recruiting a new position that Jim Knowles introduced a year ago, you start looking at body types. You start looking at guys who might be able to play it. And Booker Pickett is a guy who he didn't take official visits this summer. He'll probably take one in the fall. If they can get that kid on campus, I think for that position alone in its future, even if you don't want to necessarily use it that much last year or even this year, going forward, eventually it's going to be a staple of this defense if Jim Knowles is here for the long haul. And so I'm looking for highly rated guys who can play it. I think Booker's, Booker Pickett's one of those guys. Yeah, you stole my thunder there a little bit. Uh, it is kind Good. of funny. We will not have the fifth uh, player on the on our big board, if you will. I guarantee it. We will not have a fifth. We will not have the same answer for the next one. Um, but with Pickett, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's a lot of the same thing as is is kind of what we were talking about with McKinley. Like, you got to go down into Tampa and you got to beat out Florida State and you got to beat out Georgia and you got to beat out Miami and you got to beat out South Carolina. Like. These are the kids that, you know, these are the kids that you win national championships with going down south and getting those kids. And I'm not saying Pickett individually does that. But, you know, for me with Pickett, it's you look at kind of who we've who we've talked about on this list. Right. Like Justin Scott, interior player. You know, we talked about McKinley. He would be an interior player. Yeah, you have Houston on the edge. But what Pickett would do, you mentioned the jack position. It diversifies your defense is what that a player like that does. Like, you know, it's like when you recruit receiver, you know, you you obviously have various needs and various things that you're looking for in a receiver. But if you have two or three, six, four kids in a class, you're not going to turn them down because you really like them. But if they're more big body possession types, you probably want a burner in that group. It's the same thing with the defensive line. If you if you were going to go get three five-star dudes that are 6'5", 300 pounds, that's outstanding. Great. Wonderful. You need somebody to rush off the edge. And I think that this kid would just – what did, Ryan Day's example, he was talking about you know finding what this team does well. You got to find your fastball, and then you can mix in the changeup and the curveball. This would be the curveball that would add another dimension to your defense and make third downs really, really difficult for opposing offenses. Okay, let's so let's get to it. Who's your Who's your fifth? Since we're not gonna have the uh, same person. Uh, it, well, so funny enough, uh, I did this in the abstract. Uh, I talked about you know so okay so here let me give you my reasoning and then I'll tell you what I did. So you Uh-oh. told me I could do anything on Buckeye Talk last week, uh, so I took that to heart. Um. One of the things with Ohio State's defense that, you know, we, we've kind of discussed and been like, hey, look, you know, here's where they're settled. Here's where they're not. The position they're really not was safety. And go look at their class right now in terms of who is committed at safety, right? Who is committed on the back end to play safety for this team? Jalen McClain, a three-star out of New Jersey. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. so my guy, my name, I was looking up and down and I just said, I don't think there's a specific name. So I'm just going to say, insert safety here, any safety possible. You need a safety. It doesn't matter who, I mean, to a limit, you need a safety. 
because look at Ohio State's depth chart right now. I know I got you know I know I got some grief from you guys for the Josh Proctor pick on our uh, on our defensive pod, but like Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor. Uh, you talk about some of like those guys are those guys are older. You're gonna need to replace that talent eventually. Now you might have to hit the portal for a safety after this season because um, obviously everybody loves Sonny Styles. But I, I mean Malik Hartford, you like him moving forward. Two safeties is not enough. It, you know Jim Knowles has talked about this. This is a safety driven defense. I, I've, you've heard this a lot. I've been on the beat for a month and I've heard this so many times. This is a safety-driven defense. So I I didn't put a name to it because I just think you need more than one. You need a body. You need you probably need one or two, and you might need a portal kid to go along with that. So, you know, this is a position that you need to recruit, frankly, better in the 24 class. Because uh, right now, one kid is, is not enough. Um, I know they just lost out on one of their targets a couple of days ago. You know, this is a position that you need to recruit. So, yeah, it's kind of a cop out that I don't have a name that, you know, I'm not saying they need to go after this kid and he's from, you know, Chicago, Illinois. Like, I'm not, you know, I I don't have a name for that, but you just need a safety. You absolutely need a safety on this defense because it, I understand we've talked about, you know, Brandon Baker and, you know, uh, McKinley and Booker Pickett and all these other guys. We've talked about these guys and these guys are really high quality players. You know, these are blue chip recruits. At some point, it does become about quantity, too. And Ohio State's going to need quantity at safety and they just don't have that right now. There was a lot riding on KJ Bolden, the top safety in the country, number seven player. So when he committed to Florida State, the board obviously now has to reset, which is I guess the optimistic way of looking for at it is at least he made that decision in the first week of August and not yeah. the first week of December. So you've got time going into some of these kids' senior years where you can evaluate tape and maybe find out who your next questions are. This isn't the strongest safety class. That's part of the issue here is, you know, the 24 class just isn't, at least from their point of view, there's not a lot of guys that they really like there. You know, Saquon Bat- Patterson, they they took their shot there. He didn't come on in a, a official, but he came on an unofficial visit over the summer, and obviously it didn't lead to much because he ended up committing to Miami there. So that I, I I agree with you a little bit. Okay, they're still going to continue to recruit KJ Bolden. That's not going to stop. And the difference between that and K- yeah. Caleb Downs a year ago, where it felt like you were going to win it and then you didn't, is that Florida State is not Alabama. So it's not a two for there, right? It's not like oh, you lost out on NIL, but also you lost out to the best program in the past 15 years. You know, you lost out to a, an NIL situation that's not the best program in the last 15 years. So they'll re- continue to recruit that one there. You don't know this because um, you're new here, but KJ Bolden is actually Perry Eliano's son. I mean, not son, excuse me, cousin. I did. Well, I did. I did know that because I uh, read Cleveland.com slash OSU, <laughs> and I read that from uh, Stephen Means, uh, Mr. Stephen yeah, Means. Man. Yeah, they're cousins. So he will continue to recruit his cousin there, but that board will clearly need to reset as they try to find new names there. I, I don't I, I I do agree with you to an extent. I think that Malik Hartford being as good as he's been so far, um, I think Kai Stokes, he's kind of leveled off a little bit after being the Malik Harford of last year in terms of the guy everybody was excited about in the safety room. I think you've got some promise there. Jaden Bonsu looks good, at least physically. Let's see what he does when he gets on the field there. Cedric Hawkins is a freshman. I think the quantity isn't as bad as it seems. It seems bad, yes, because you're going to lose 
three or four guys and only bring in one. So it, it yeah, from that standpoint, it does kind of look crazy. But I mean, Sonny Styles will be back. Cameron Martinez can come back. Uh, Jaden Bonsu, Malik Hartford, Cedric Hark- Hawkins are all freshmen, true freshmen, and Kai Stokes is a redshirt freshman. You've got some options there, but. If you don't get the quality in this class, you definitely 100% have to get it in 2025. So that's why I think it, it, it lowered on the list for me because that's it's because I don't know what your quality is going to be right now. And maybe somebody emerges throughout this fall in high school in that way. But right now, there's not a lot of quality options on the table. Well, and, and also it, it does – it is important. You mentioned this off the hop. This is the time of the season where recruiting does kind of take a backseat. Um, you know, whether or not that's because the programs put an emphasis on it less because they have to actually win football games and these coaching staffs have to win football games to keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's also fans are more, you know, fans are more curious about the games. You know, you have actual football to talk about. Um, so that's important to note because this is kind of flip season right now. I think you mentioned the recruiting for KJ Bolden is not going to stop. And mm-hmm. there are other guys that Ohio State is 100%, you know, hey, you still happy with your decision to go to blank? And that's the other way, too. You know, I guarantee you think Georgia and Michigan and Notre Dame and Miami have stopped texting Justin Scott? Absolutely not. They're going to be beating down that kid's door until he signs a letter of intent, puts pen to paper. Um, so there's one. But two, it's also worth pointing out that it's it's fool's it's a fool's errand to rely on this. You can't rely on this at all because it's just it's not sustainable. But I think a kid that is a good example of a, an extra little piece to your recruiting class that makes you go, "Oh, well that's well that's really nice." Well, I like that. I didn't know, you know, I, I there are a ki- there's a kid uh his name is Brandon Hillman. He's now at Michigan. No one knew who this kid was last August. If you followed recruiting Mm -hmm. nationally, no one knew who he was. I don't know if it was a game or a camp he went to, but he, according to 247, he's a kid from Virginia, uh, Churchland, Virginia. Shout out Virginia, uh, where I'm from. He got his first offer from Virginia Tech on September 27th of last year. That was his first offer that 247 reported. So yeah, he probably had some D2, D3 offers, but he exploded at the end of the season, then he commit, he was not ranked up and on the two, four, seven composite rankings until October 12th of last year. Then he commits to Notre Dame. He has to decommit for whatever. I don't even know what, whatever reasons, personal reasons, whatever academic, I don't know, but he decommits from Notre Dame and then instantaneously Ohio state, Michigan, and then like Wisconsin or Nebraska or whoever offers him the day that he decommits from Notre Dame. Those kids pop up like this is this is a kid that ended the two four seven composite rankings at two fifteen overall as like a as a genuine as a genuine legitimate four star player and it's like I said it's a fool's errand to rely on that you absolutely cannot rely on oh well there will probably be a kid from Cleveland who nobody knows about who grew four inches in the off season or who gained 30 pounds or who now can run a four, three, and he can only run a four, seven in the off season. Like there is, there are going to be kids like that. You can't rely on that, but that is possible. I do. I do think people need to kind of be aware of that and kind of keep that in mind that yeah, flip season's possible. And flip season is what everybody wants to talk about because, you know, we're talking about a lot of guys are committed at this point for the 2024 class. But there are kids like Brandon Hillman who are going to pop up at some point. And, um, you know, 
if you're worried about it, you know, just keep that in mind that, that it is possible to flip kids and it is possible for kids kind of under the radar to start showing up now that games have started. That was my answer. That was my fifth most important player. It was not a player. It was a concept. Can they flip somebody? Uh, it's offered 135 players in the 24 class. There's only 11 of them who have not chosen a school yet. And a, mo- a bulk of that 11 aren't people named Brandon Baker, Gerby Lambert, and, you know, uh, Dominic McKinley, who will be coming off the, that list very soon here. So that'll be 10 after Friday. The last high profile flip Ohio State had was Jordan Hancock in that 2021 class. If I'm rem- non quarterback, because they flipped Devin Brown in the 2022 class, but that's they get quarterbacks here, man. That's what they do. Who can, who can be, can they get a Jordan Hancock in this class? Whether it's the KJ Bolden level, five star safety level, or it's somebody like Charles Lester, who's a five star cornerback, or somebody like Marquise Lightfoot, who you thought you had until Miami came in and swept them away from you. But also Miami's got some other issues going on right now. So I, I am just wondering. I'm not saying this because I know something. I'm just wondering. Ohio State is one of the three best programs in the country. Maybe two, depending on how you feel about where Alabama is right now. But three for sure. Three for sure. <laughs> Andrew Shane. No, yeah, yeah, three. Yeah. Come, like, I, like I understand where you're coming from, but come on. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. Alabama's going to have a moment here where they flip some kids because they do that every single year. Georgia might end up flipping some kids here. Can Ohio State get in on that? You called it flip season a second ago. I'm not saying it's going to happen today or even during this season. It might not happen until closer to signing day. But they recruited Caleb Downs, lost out on him, and then tried to flip him up until signing day. Even got him up here for the Michigan game. They just couldn't get him to flip. Can that change this time around? No matter who, regardless of who it is, whether it's a safety, whether it's a, a linebacker, a defensive lineman, um, an offensive lineman, it's not going to be a quarterback or a wide receiver. Brian Hartline's good. And quarterback is pretty good too. I mean, Aaron Nolan put on a show a couple weeks ago there. But can they flip somebody? I think that is, I, when you're one of the top tier programs in college football, you should be able to do that every so once in a while. And it's been a while since they've done it. I want to know if they can do it in this cycle. We're going to take one last break here, and then I'm going to make Andrew mark something down on a Tuesday because we're three months away from like September, October, November, four months away from signing day. Andrew is still wide-eyed into this, and so it's going to be fun having him mark down something right before the season starts here. So we'll get back, and I'll reveal what that is on Buckeye Talk. So, Andrew, Ohio State has a number two class in the country right now. They've done that one other time under Ryan Day, and that was 2021 when they finished second behind Alabama. They also did it in 2018 when they finished behind Georgia, and they did it in 2017 when they also finished behind Alabama. Never number one. Never number one, though. Gotten close. They've held the number one spot at various times throughout cycles. They just have never finished with it. Very simple answer here. And then we're going to close out here because this doesn't need to be that long because we'll have longer ones at some point in the year. Yes or no? Do you think Ohio State finishes with the number one class in the country? And if not, where do they finish? Uh, no, I think they're going to finish third. Um, you know, I, Georgia's class is really, really good right now. Um, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, the, just the kind of level of talent that they have. I mean, they have they have obviously Rayola, 
They have a really good corner, Ellis Robinson. They've got um, a couple other players, Riddell, the tight end. Like they've got a lot of really good, talented players at Georgia, and that class is more or less full. Um, you know, right now, as we record this on Monday, August twenty eighth, uh, they are at twenty six commits. Uh, so that's about where you would expect. The thing that would scare me, and like, look, I, is there much of a difference between second and third if the PowerPoints or whatever they're called or however the rankings points? Is there much of a difference? I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a huge difference. I, I think that's going to be pretty close between Alabama and Ohio State at two and three. Um, but Alabama is kind of lurking like Jaws in the water. Um, you mentioned that they do yeah. this every year, right? You know, last year they finished with uh, 28 commits and they had the number one class in the country. Uh, they had, let's see, I have this up on my laptop right now. One, two, three, four. They obviously got Keon, Keon Keeley and Caleb Downs, both players that Ohio State was after. Like, this is just Alabama. And what's the, oh God, what was the, the lady who called in to Feinbaum all the time? She was very famous. I forget her name, but she would always just mm. say, this is what Bama does. That's what Bama does. Like, that, that, yeah. Bama's Bama. Bama's Bama. And uh, Bama is going to flip some kids. And Bama is going to pull in some really high-level players over the next couple of months, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, that is just the way that they operate. So I think Ohio State is going to get slightly edged out by Alabama. I don't know if they're going to pass Georgia. I mean, look – we talked about him at the top. If you get, I, I know you said this can be a quick answer because we're going to talk about this a lot and I'm not making this a quick answer, but like, fuck I talk. If you, yeah. If you get Brandon Baker and like, I'm not even going to say if you get Brandon Baker and Kobe black and, you know, Dominic Kinley and, you know, uh, you know, whoever else we talked about. Um, like if you get, I'm not even saying that, but like you, you would have to get a Brandon Baker and a McKinley, you know, and uh, I don't know, a Booker Pickett, maybe like if you want to have a shot, I think at the number one class. And I just don't know if they're going to clean sweep that because um, you would have some serious ground to make up on um, on Georgia. So, yeah, I, I think Bama is going to catch them. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think Ohio State's going to finish third. But I do think that it's going to be a third that you can feel good with. Um, you know, just because they're going to have a lot of high level players. Um, you know, I just did the class calculators. I was talking. That's why I was stalling a little bit. If Ohio State got Brandon Baker, the five star offensive lineman that we had hyped up and talked about, uh, they would have 308 points in the 247 composite rankings. Uh, that is still behind Georgia, who has 313.22 right now. Uh, Ohio State is currently at 302.23. So just just for context, it, you can add a Brandon Baker, and that still doesn't put you at the number one class in the country. So I just I just don't see that happening. Okay. Dominic McKinley will be committing on Friday. In or out? Yes or no? Does Ohio State get him? I'm going to say no. Um, I think, you know, you you look at kind of the other schools that he's considering. Um, you know, you mentioned it. Um, you know, you mentioned it off the top. It's really hard for Ohio State to go down into that area of the country and, and swing a kid. Um, I don't think this is necessarily like a referendum, like a miss it, like miss, like if you were to miss out on Justin Scott and Edric Houston, like I don't think 
missing out on one of those players, uh, you know, it was a referendum on Ohio State recruiting. I don't think that this is a referendum on Ohio State defensive recruiting or defensive line recruiting or anything like that. Um, sometimes you're going to lose a battle to a Texas and Oklahoma to an LSU to a whoever. Um, it's just the way that this thing happens. So I'm going to say no. Um, I uh, I don't think they I don't think they pull him, but I do think that their defensive defensive line recruiting is still pretty damn good. Well, all right. All right. And there it is. First recruiting pod. Andrew, how you feel, man? I'm good. Do you dude. feel are you nervous that people are gonna call you wrong? Well, I'm always wrong. I'm so I worry about go. three I worry about three things in my life. Uh everything that has happened, everything that is happening, and everything that will happen. Mm. Um so I am one of those people who is concerned by everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously people are going to call me wrong because there, I mean, I have talked with other sports fans who you will tell them two plus two equals four and they will argue until they are blue in the face that no, you're an idiot. You're wrong. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready for people to tell me that I'm wrong. I've been bracing for people to tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, I am excited for this, the roster build. We talked about this kind of offline a little bit and we kind of talked about this when I got this job, like the roster building aspect of recruiting, especially in like the NIL era and the transfer portal era, fascinating. So I'm really excited to, uh, to kind of get to do this every Monday. And that'll do it. That is Andrew Gillis's first words as our recruiting writer going forward. Like he said, this will be every Tuesday throughout the season. We'll be having a recruiting update. We're going to probably get a little bit more structured as we go through the season. We just want, you know, Kind of reset things heading into the uh, heading into the season. Ohio State, the number two class right now with 22 commitments led by Jeremiah Smith, the top wide receiver and the number two player and number two player in the country. For Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was the first recruiting pod of Minute. And that was Buckeye Talk.